Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Dr. Lawrence Simon and the show. As always, I have to start saying something different. The stories we live by. And today, I wanted to talk about uh, a topic that I think many people find important in, in relation to the stories that they live by, and that is anxiety. And I titled this show, Anxiety is Your Friend. And I've uh, said this to many people over the years, students and others that I've worked with, that anxiety is their friend. And if they've experienced intense anxiety uh, and been convinced by the psychiatric numbskulls, and that includes the psychologists who earn their living telling people with anxiety that there's a disorder and that there's something wrong with them mentally for experiencing anxiety, however intense, uh, that it's their friend. They look at me, like for many of the things I say, as if, boy, are you nuts. You should be given treatment. You should be locked up. How could anxiety possibly be my friend? When my heart is pounding, when I'm filled with dread, my mouth goes dry, when my chest fills up and I feel like I'm having a heart attack and the only thing I can think of doing is, is to go to an emergency room, that I feel I'm going insane, that I'm falling apart, how could you tell me that this experience is my friend? Well, I want to uh, talk about that today, and if there are any calls, we could uh, talk to people too. Uh, anxiety is just an emotion. And like all emotions, uh, anxiety came about as part of our survival mechanism. It is a mechanism that helps us stay alive. It helps us flourish. It helps us live better. And I've said this before, but let me say it again. Uh, and since my memory is going bad, I never quite remember what I've said before. <laughs> so if I repeat myself, uh, you'll forgive me. Or if you knew, you don't have to forgive me. We are all trying constantly, like scientists, to figure out how to live our lives best, how to be good, how to be loved. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, we're a scientist when we say, will I cross the street and make it to the other side? Uh, does flossing my teeth really help? Um, if I don't eat eggs, will that really prevent a heart attack? Or if I eat eggs, will it? We're constantly asking important questions, important questions. Uh, what do I do with the rest of my life when I graduate school? I mean, I taught college for four, nearly four, for 40 years, and anxious students came to me all the time. What do I do with the rest of my life? Uh, people start to feel something in their body, and they ask, what's happening to me, and what do I do about it? I, I have a dental appointment Wednesday. Do you hate dental appointments like I do? And I know what to expect with most of the things a dentist tells me, but this time my gums have not been great, and I'm going to have something called deep scaling. Just the very words deep scaling throw me into an anxious state because I don't really know what I'm going to experience. And that is what anxiety is about. When we ask an important question, something that relates to our survival, our growth, 
our success as a human being, and we can't answer the question, we experience anxiety. Right? Anxiety forces us, focuses us at the moment. You can't ignore anxiety. It anchors us, like most emotions, to a given situation and says, schmuck, find the answer. There's something missing that's necessary for your survival. Right? Or your growth. Or your, your success uh, in life or sex or any other area of life. Right? Uh, will I be able to get it up? Will I have an orgasm? People come into therapy uh, unable to function because of anxiety, and anxiety is telling them there's something you have to know, something you have to pay attention to. There's something in your story that you're telling yourself or others are telling you that on some level you know is what I call le bullshit. It's a lie that you're trying to convince yourself or it's information that you're getting that's wrong, or it's information you simply can't get because you're on some frontier in your life. Something's going on that's brand new. And all of this anxiety focuses you and tells you, find out what's going on. Right? When people ask me, what to, well, I'll hold that, what to do about anxiety, because um, uh, I've helped now, I think, hundreds of people. Uh, mostly without charge, just by providing this kind of information for people, uh, having them look at anxiety as their friend, as something that is necessary to be known or done, that they don't know exactly what to do or what to describe or what it is they're experiencing that may be very critical for them, for their survival now or 10 or 20 years, or to their success, uh, uh, how many people get tremendous anxiety before they're married. Uh, don't get married until the anxiety has been quieted, and it's been quieted not with alcohol or drugs as some kind of sickness, but because on some level you have doubt about what you're doing. And if you have doubt about making a commitment to somebody for the rest of your life, either because of something in you or something you sense in them or between the two of you, then that anxiety is your friend. Because quieting it and ignoring it and getting married, entering into a lifelong commitment with somebody, that even in your, yourself you know at the moment you say, I do, you really are not going to be able to carry through. You don't want to be able to carry this through. Uh, these are critically important decisions. It could be simpler. Fall asleep on a train and you wake up and you don't know where you are. We have to know all the time where we are in time and space. Uh, our being, our survival requ requires that. Um, Alzheimer's patients, people who are losing their memory, have terrible anxiety. Or those we call schizophrenic, somebody who starts to, what he imagines hearing voices, which I've discussed before, is a kind of internal dialogue which is experienced as an actual dialogue that's not really happening and the person now is hearing this voice, and they don't know what's happening to them. They can't find the explanation. The anxiety is not a symptom of the illness. The anxiety says, this is something critical that's happening to you. You have to be able to understand and master and deal with what this event means to you psychologically. 
therefore, it is your friend. As painful as it might be, it's your friend. Guilt, shame are terribly painful emotions, but they're also your friend. But that's another story for another day. So, we have anxiety. Now, why do people have what we call panic attacks? A lot of the reason has to do with our culture, our society, and the story you're told about anxiety. That this is an uncontrollable event that means something's terribly wrong with you. And what happens to so many people, all too many people, is that as they experience anxiety, they have anxiety about the anxiety. Or they walk around having anxiety about whether or not they're going to have anxiety. And they develop what's called anticipatory anxiety. They're constantly anxious. And then as the anxiety overcomes them, as they experience this anxiety, instead of owning it, instead of recognizing it for what it is, they, they now say, oh my goodness, I'm going to die, I'm going insane, I'm going to lose my mind. And now a panic, an intense fear and panic sets in. And they feel they have now lost control over themselves. Uh, I've said this before, I'll say it again. When somebody says to me in a state of anxiety that they're going crazy, I tell them, no, you're going sane. Our heads are so often so filled with all kinds of bullshit that we have been taught from childhood that we deep down don't believe, that we deep down know it's not in our interest to not only believe but to act upon. Religious beliefs and beliefs about our family, all manner of things like that, that uh, uh, the anxiety, our friend the anxiety is telling us, pay attention, you really need another way of looking at things. Not what doctors call or my colleagues call better reality testing. Uh, who knows what ultimate reality is and who can be a judge of reality. But what you experience to be real, what you experience to be true, and we need the truth, something that we feel basic to be true. And if we're walking around trying to convince ourselves that God does exist or God doesn't exist, and deep down we believe something very different, and we're going to make important, critical life decisions about uh, um, our work, our relationships, based upon these beliefs, when deep down some level we know we're bullshitting ourselves or we're being bullshitted, uh, then we're going to experience anxiety because that represents in so many ways what I believe is the best of us, the truth of us. So what do you do about anxiety? What do you do to make it your friend? What do you do to, to help uh, uh, make anxiety work for you? Well, the first thing I think to recognize is that, that the story you've been told about you having a, you're losing your mind or you're sick or you need a doctor when you have anxiety or that you need to drug yourself insensible or that you have to climb into a bottle of scotch and not come out uh, because that's only going to create more and more anxiety. Um, the first thing you have to realize is that this is an emotion. It's a survival emotion. And it is no different, in a way, than banging your leg against something and feeling pain. Pain is a survival mechanism. There is a particular illness, a neurological illness, 
whose name eludes me at the moment because my craft disease uh, is particularly bad the last couple of days. Craft disease. You know what craft disease is? It's a source of anxiety. Can't remember an effing thing. That's craft disease. Comes on about 40. Um, and you worry, well, is it Alzheimer's? Am I losing my mind? And, of course, the moment you ask, am I losing my mind, uh, you're going to be swept with anxiety, terrible anxiety. Because to lose your mind, to lose your memory, is to lose your personality, your relationships. Uh, it is to face a terrible illness and death. But craft disease is a more benign condition. And um, this particular illness uh, doesn't allow pain to appear to the individual. So if they cut their foot at the beach and they don't know it, they could bleed or develop an infection. Pain is necessary. Pain shouldn't be ignored, whether it's physical pain or psychological pain. It should be embraced. Now, let me give you an analogy. You're at the beach, and you're swimming, and the tide starts pulling you out, what's called a riptide. Now, if you know anything, if you've ever taken a survival course in swimming at the beach, you will learn in every time, don't fight the ocean. You cannot fight the ocean. The ocean is too powerful. It's too strong. Uh, only the most extraordinary swimmers could fight in against the ocean. Relax. Let the ocean take you a few feet out. And then when you feel it's not in your grip, because the riptide usually takes you out 10, 15, 20 feet, breathe deeply. And I'm going to talk about breathing in a couple of moments. Do this. And now swim parallel to the shore. And after you've swum a little bit parallel to the shore, try to come in. And in most cases, you'll come right in because the riptide is in one place but not necessarily in another. Most people drown when they fight the tide. And most people are damaged psychologically when they try to fight their emotions. Right? So say to yourself when you become anxious, anxiety is my friend. It will take me to some truth. It will motivate me to ask questions I've been afraid to ask. It will motivate me to learn things. I, on some level, know I should be learning, but I haven't yet learned. It will help me face conflicts and things about myself that I've been afraid to, to uh, uh, face. Sexual feelings, aggressive feelings. Um, I don't know a parent, I don't know a parent who hasn't at one moment or another, no matter how they love their child, had the thought that in one way or another, they're going to stuff this kid in a bag with some bricks and drop them into deep water. After you've been up with them with the flu and they're cranky, you could love them all to death, but you are tired and you say, what do I do to get rid of this thing? I don't know anybody who hasn't felt that way. I don't. However... Most of us feel it, laugh about it, and know we're never going to act on it because that child is often more precious to us than ourselves. The people who have the anxiety are the ones who say, what kind of a bad, evil person, mostly women, because we convince women they're not allowed to have angry or hostile feelings to their children. The perfect mother never is really angry at that child. And, of course, it's the perfect mother who's seething that blows up or the perfect mother who often does the very thing that they're most afraid of and they're most anxious about. Those feelings need to be faced. They need to be embraced. 
I often say to people who are anxious, carry a pad, a pencil, and paper. And when you get anxious, write down or say, speak into a, a tape recorder, the first things that come to your mind. Like Freud said, say whatever he's going to say, no matter how silly, how ridiculous, how, dis- how disgusting. Say it anyway. No one's listening. It's just between you and yourself. And you're talking now very often about something that's going to relieve that anxiety. The worst thing is to try and fight that anxiety. Okay? So anxiety is my friend. What do I need to know? Who can I talk to? What can I say? What do I need to learn? And all of these things become very effective in bringing you into a balance where the anxiety is your friend rather than some enemy you think is sickening and killing you. Next, anxiety is not merely a state of mind. One of the, one of the, the, the crapolas about our Western culture is that we have a mind here and a body there, and somehow they're connected. We call it the mind-body connection. Whenever you feel something, it's no different than walking. It requires a body to do it. And when you start to feel anxiety, as you start to breathe deep, as you, as you start to feel these emotions, let them happen because they are the anxiety. They are the productive part of the anxiety. And what becomes critical for many people is that as they have become anxious, they don't breathe. They start breathing from the top of their chest. They start sucking in wind and blowing out wind as fast as they can, and the result is an imbalance of oxygen and an imbalance of of carbon dioxide. And many of the feelings that overcome them at that point are really this this imbalance. Uh, If you're a smart individual and you want to get in touch with yourself, meditate and do diaphragmatic breathing, 10, 15 minutes a day at least. Let your thoughts come to you, like the, like the Buddhists say. And I'm very big on Buddhism as a way, as a story to deal and explain anxiety. Not something to run away from, but something to embrace and ultimately own for our betterment. Many of the people who are the most anxious have the most trouble sitting still. They're always running. They're always moving. They have to be busy, 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 busy. Uh, they'll run out of the house and go shopping. They'll run and have a drink. They'll take an extra tranquilizer that Dr. Feelgood and, and, uh, uh, and, and Pill Pusher gave them. Uh, they'll panic again. Emergency rooms, probably a majority of visits in the emergency room are people who think something terrible is happening to them because of anxiety. Sit still. Put your hand on your tummy. Relax. Breathe in and out, and you cannot feel the anxiety if you're breathing diaphragmatically. Now, what does that mean? You ever watch a baby sleep? Babies, if you watch them lying on their back, and they're sleeping, and they're so relaxed, (laughs) they won't stay that way, but right now they don't know yet what it is to be afraid of. They don't know about lies. They don't know about le bullshit filling them up. Uh, 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 which they have to struggle against as the truth as they really experience it or wish to ask about, um, their tummies go up and down. If your tummy is going up and down, 
You cannot be overwhelmed with anxiety. Physiologically, psychologically impossible. And so critically important, I think, and this is true for sports, any sports figure will tell you, singers, ballet dancers, people who are in touch with their bodies will tell you that breathing diaphragmatically is critically important. Breath control. Uh, I'm very big on yoga. Uh, I don't practice as often as I should. I don't meditate as often as I should. But I have learned to be able within moments to go into a, a uh, uh, breathing, a deep breathing, muscle relaxed situation to control a variety of situations, anxiety being among them. When you can do this, panic attacks stop happening. And you start connecting to yourself. And you start learning about yourself. And you don't need those damn expensive pills that are so addictive and so nasty and so dangerous to your health and your psychological welfare. So, what else can I say? If there are any questions, people can call in. The, the number is 646-716-7756. Uh, I hope that I have uh, helped you uh, re-examine the, the story of anxiety in the light of uh, a, a non-psychiatric, uh, non-psychological, uh, clinical psychological, uh, mechanistic way uh, of examining it and recognize that this is a survival mechanism. It is your friend. It is absolutely necessary. Uh, if you're going to uh, feel in balance and feel good about yourself and really learn the things that others in their authoritarian needs don't want you to learn. Um, the more television I watch about this war and the politicians who lead us and the less anybody speaks out that the emperor has no clothes, and I'm not making that statement that the emperor has no clothes as a truth. It is my experience of the politicians now leading us and that this war, this damnable war, uh, which is destroying so many lives of Americans and non-Americans, wiping out the treasure uh, that this country needs for its growth and for its survival. Uh, it's my experience that this is so. And more and more people I know experience it the same way. And because it's going on, and because we know it's going on, when we turn away, we experience anxiety. And we eat ourselves to quiet that anxiety, or we drink too much. Uh, I remember after 9-11, all the people who were told by the shrinks, psychologists, psychiatrists, that they had post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, what kind of nonsense is that? People experienced anxiety and dread. Were we under attack? Were we going to lose uh, what might be a war that was coming? Uh, will they come back? Will my children all right? Am I all right? All manner of survival questions. The anxiety that people had was almost universal. It was palpable. And here we were being told, you're mentally ill. And rather than become citizens, draw together and ask, 
how do we defend ourselves and how do we remain humane and how do we remain true to the values that we were raised with? Um, we were told, go shopping and go to your doctor and get those Prozac or, or SSRIs and start taking them. And indeed, rather than deal with this as a national emergency and a personal problem, we, we, we off, went off to therapy and we went off to psychiatrists and the use of psychiatric drugs doubled and tripled. It just went off the charts. The drug companies made a fortune on the misfortune of our country and our, our anxiety about ourselves as people and as citizens. All of this, I think, is destructive, and all of this, I think, needs to be thought through. Well, this is Dr. Lawrence Simon. Until next time, whenever that is, probably, I hope, soon, uh, I'm going to say uh, goodbye and take care. I will wait a second. Anybody calling?